Hi folks, welcome to Feature Vector with your host, Bhautik Joshi. Focused on image taking and making, Feature Vector takes an accessible and non-technical closer look at the art and science of image taking and making. It's of course worth having the standard disclaimer here that the uh, opinions here are my own and not those of my employer. Today, we're going to have a closer look at AI selfies. AI selfies really took off towards the end of 2022 as a mechanism that was powered by machine learning, where you're able to upload a few selfies and then have a series of AI-generated avatars that you're able to use on things like social media. And I want to get into some of the opportunities, risks, and some of the specific mechanisms behind this particular technique. Of course, the best way of learning about a particular creative tool is to actually try using it for a creative task. In this particular case, I set myself the task of creating our family holiday card using AI selfies, but rather than use something off the shelf, I wanted to try to do as much of this process by myself as possible. This includes the uh, the, the model training, the selection, and of course the post-processing and putting everything together into a final result. A huge cultural and technical moment of 2022 was the emergence of text-to-image models. And these are large machine learning models that are able to generate image based on a text description that you give to the computer. Here, I've got some output from DALI on the left, which was used for a magazine cover, and on the right, some output from Midjourney, which is another very popular network for generating artistic-style images. For those of you who are just listening along, it's worth noting that the images are coherent. They make sense. They're, uh, they're something that maybe as a human observer would look at it and plausibly think, okay, uh, another human being had made this, but no, they'd actually been generated by a computer. The specific text-to-image tool that I'm using for the purposes of our chat today actually doesn't matter all that much. Uh, given the rapid pace of evolution here, uh, this is very likely to sort of change and evolve quite significantly going into the, the near and even sort of like medium-term future. But just to sort of give things just enough context, I'm just going to quickly go into sort of like stable diffusion, which is the particular technique that I'm using here on my computer at home to uh, do this experiment. Let's explain stable diffusion badly using a coffee analogy. Stable diffusion has been trained by converting images and descriptions into noise. When stable diffusion is run, it starts with noise it hadn't seen before, in our case coffee grounds, and then brews it into a picture. Different prompts combined with the same noise will generate different pictures. So if I want the computer to draw a picture of me, I need to give it pictures of me. And I feed in a series of images into a training technique. In this particular case, I'm using a a particular technique called textual inversion. For those of you who really like to get stuck into the details, in particular, I'm using the automatic 011 uh, web UI to basically coordinate a bunch of this training and actually run it. And if you sit there watching what it's doing as it trains the model, it was super, super, super surreal watching it learn my face, going from a very poor guess to start with to something that became increasingly more and more accurate. And it became a, a uncanny simulacrum of myself sitting there on the computer. So first thing I wanted to try, because it's uh, a lot of people love to do this, is, is that I wanted to generate sort of like a Renaissance style portrait of myself. 
Disappointingly, though, the model had learned my face, but it also learned a lot about uh, the particular selfies that I'd fed in. I'd mostly uh, taken those photos against a plain background. In most of those photos, I was wearing a collared shirt. Uh, with most of the photos, I was wearing glasses, and these attributes very strongly came through into the picture and became extremely hard to negate. So while it looked like me, while it maybe even looked a little bit like a Rembrandt painting and picked up some of the lighting, it didn't really have that Renaissance feel to it. So then to get that look, one of the key things here that really made it work then was instead of bringing myself in at 100%, I raised 10% of myself. I brought myself in at a strength of 90%. This is a, sometimes what is referred to as a subprompt. And at 90%, uh, I was able to sort of uh, convince the model to let go of some of those stylistic attributes about clothing and background. And instead, it was able to sort of render me uh, within the race and race and style clothing and the posing and perhaps even some of the look. So here I am in the computer, and the images are not really 100% like me, but it's not really about whether it's, uh, you know, the fidelity is 100% accurate here. I think for a lot of broad sort of consumer use cases, it's really more about how it makes you feel rather than how true it is. And I think this is a central piece to how a lot of computer graphics tooling works, how a lot of sort of creative tooling works in general. Again, like I said, it's about how it makes you feel rather than how it is. Coming back then to the holiday poster that I was making for the family, I had the three models, uh, one for myself, one for my wife, and one for my daughter, and I used those to generate hundreds of candidate images in a variety of styles. And it's not to sort of paper over the significant issues around sort of bias and artist attribution that exist within these text-to-image models, but that's something I'd like to come back to in another video. But the rest then was fairly manual. I uh, started... Uh, working with these images and I started uh, putting candidates together to see sort of like what told a good story. I went back to Stable Diffusion then to generate some supporting images and then I simply combined them in Photoshop and I did a little bit of work there in terms of harmonizing them all, especially sort of for color and I put them together until I had a result that I liked and then I also added the text in Photoshop as well. Uh, another thing that's worth noting is, is that these text-to-image networks are incredibly bad at rendering text and it's not something that you want to rely on them to do. So it was a bit of a coder then. I wanted to get stuck into, uh, I guess, some of the more difficult aspects of tooling like this, especially around issues around bias. So I thought, okay, can I get this tool to say render me as a wizard? I've kind of fancied myself as a little bit of a wizard. And I was kind of alarmed to sort of see the results that it generated. So when rendered as an 8K portrait of myself as a stunning wizard, uh, I'd then been changed. I'd been changed into sort of uh, Caucasian. I'd been given blue eyes, lighter hair, and surprisingly, the results were quite upsetting, much more upsetting than I thought it would be. And as upsetting as this was, uh, something that was even weirder was realizing that by omitting certain words from it, it it uh, the results weren't quite so biased. So, for example, by removing the word stunning, I get a little bit of myself back. Machine learning models are a uh, reflection of their creators, and creators have bias, people, people have bias. And these tools, I think, have always been biased. I think the idea that computers have been fair and objective observers of the real world is sort of a, an insidious lie that we're still dealing with the consequences of. 
in how wizards are represented online in terms of our general sort of like approach to wizards in the sort of the Western world. They tend to be Caucasian. They tend to be light-skinned and light-haired. And uh, to a certain degree, seeing uh, what was done to my own face there perhaps shouldn't have been all that much of a surprise. And what's really kind of ugly then really is holding up a mirror to the real world, right? And this is what these models do. These models sort of hold a very direct mirror up to these biases that we have in society and throw them back in our face. So where do we go from here now that we know this? Well, I think it's important to know that, uh, you know, when we're putting these tools in front of people, we need to be mindful of how it makes them feel. And we need to be mindful of the negative consequences that come up. And of course, something that, you know, the next piece of work that's critically important here is going to be modeling and mitigating these biases. And I think that is going to be one of the major pieces of work that is going to go on in the industry in 2023. And I'm looking forward to us all hopefully having a little bit of a crack at it and making this tool in which is very exciting. Uh, Not just great, but uh, fairer and more equitable for all as well. Okay, thank you everyone for listening. This has been Feature Vector.